baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. What's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And to you listening wherever you are tonight at WWL.com or the Radio.com app. Boy, what a night it was last night at Tulane's Yeoman Stadium. Under the lights was really darn cool. 12,000 Saints fans, who that's out there, had a blast. We'll get into some of that and some of what I saw, including I ran into Big Potato, who kind of went viral. Not kind of. He did go viral a couple of weeks ago. or Maybe it was last week, actually. When he went kind of behind enemy lines to Flowery Branch out at Falcons Camp, all decked out in his Saints gear and aptly a potato costume, got a chance to talk to him. It was pretty cool. I'll actually play some of that sound for you a little bit later in the hour, and we'll talk about just what a great night it was last night. We'll have everything today from Saints Camp, which was a late practice. Sean Payton, Saquon Hampton, Marcus Davenport, and Austin Carr all speaking. And then later in the show... We'll talk some LSU and college football. And, and look, I, I am working in a medium, and every time you listen to sports radio, you're listening for big opinions, and you're going to disagree with a lot of the things that you hear. It's kind of what makes the medium great. So big opinions to me are awesome. Just for example, that, that Colin Cowherd segment a couple of weeks ago when he says that he expects the Saints to kind of implode. He's picking them as the team in the NFL to implode. I got a lot of pushback here locally. I really didn't care too much either way because, look, it's Colin being Colin, and he's kind of paid to give big opinions. I didn't really care. I mean, it's we'll find out if he's right or not. If he's not right, we can give him the business for it. I did see something earlier today, and shout out to Tim Zimmer for sending this my way, that really raised my eyebrows and got me thinking, what in the world? Athlon Sports, which is a – Long-time publication. Used to have, and I think they still do, hard copy magazine. They've transitioned to the digital space like most publications are now, athlonsports.com. They're fantastic. They cover football, college, and pros as well as I think anybody out there. I really mean that. We've had their guests on quite a bit. But they just released their rankings of 130 college football head coaches. If I told you... Where do you think Coach O falls on this list, on your list? You're ranking all college football coaches out there, all 130 FBS teams. Where do you think Coach O falls? Well, according to Athlon Sports, it's number 51. Number 51 behind guys like Will Muschamp. It's crazy in my mind, but it's just an opinion. And we're going to get into this, and we'll actually have on Athlon Sports' Stephen Lasan, who wrote the article, but it, he really sourced this and took votes from a bunch of people. It's not necessarily his opinion. This is kind of the information that he got, and he, he compiled this list. So our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll, we're going to follow this throughout the night. Coach O ranked 51st best coach by Athlon Sports. You think that is what? And we give you a bunch of options here. Right on, too low, too high, or insulting cast your vote wwl.com and the radio.com app ron and logan are behind the glass tonight sports libs a little bit later in the show our other guest brett martell bottom of the hour associated press writer here in new orleans covers the saints 
always nice to chat with Brett, and he had some great stuff about Brett and Mart- uh, about, excuse me, uh, Thomas Morstead yesterday on Twitter. I want to get in with that because what he said is absolutely true, kind of rehashing some stories about what Bill Belichick said about Thomas Morstead. And then right on cue, apparently Thomas Morstead bouncing a punt and practice out of bounds inside the five-yard line. Also, Troy Rent, Broncos insider and sportscaster in Denver, will kick off our around the NFL and inside training camp segments that we're going to do just like we did last year. We're going to go to all 31 other NFL franchises before opening day, uh, opening day of the regular season. And we started off tonight in the AFC West with the Denver Broncos. That's our show tonight. You can weigh in and get in touch with us on our phone line, 504-260-1870 and our text line's 870-870. I'm on Twitter at Seth Dunlap. We're on Twitter at WWLAMFM. One of the conversations I was having yesterday, and I had a couple of deep ones with a few people covering the Saints, and we got into a conversation about, well, what is the most important thing and the most important player for the Saints this year? Everybody had their own opinions on this. Some people said Drew. That seems obvious, right? As Drew goes, maybe the offense goes, or maybe the whole team goes. Alvin Kamara, now that he doesn't have Mark Ingram there. Some people said Marshawn Lattimore. Because secondary play, cornerback play in this league is so important. But I still think there's one person and one player that is the most important player for this team this year. And I mentioned it before here on the show, and I'm sticking behind this. It's Marcus Davenport, the second-year defensive end, who was pretty darn fantastic before that foot injury last year. And after that, he was hampered, he was out. When he got back, he wasn't as impactful, no sacks, although he was pressuring the quarterback late in the season and was getting upfield a little bit. But Marcus Davenport, opposite of Cam Jordan, I still cannot think of a scenario in my head where this Saints team makes and wins a Super Bowl if Marcus Davenport isn't consistently pressuring the passer opposite of Cam Jordan. If he's not an 8-10 to plus sack guy. It's not going to be enough where he's got a handful of sacks and maybe even six, seven, eight sacks this year. I don't think so. Not in this league, not in this conference, which is incredibly deep top to bottom. Marcus Davenport earlier in camp was talking about, well, I didn't like the pressure the media put on me last year, and that's one of the reasons why maybe I wasn't too good late in the season. His words, not mine. Well, I actually didn't see that last year. All I saw from the local media were people building Marcus Davenport up, propping him up and saying, look, he doesn't need to be very good in year one. He's going to be good in years two, three, and four. This is a star in the making down the future, down the road in the future. If you want some pressure now, Mr. Davenport, now you got it. Because I don't see, again, any way that this team wins a Super Bowl unless you are very good to great. And remember that jump that Cam Jordan made from his first to second year? What was it, one sack his first year? Seven and a half, eight sacks a second year. Got to be something similar here. Marcus Davenport was out at camp today talking to the press after practice. Confidence, apparently, he's not worried about it anymore. It's interesting because a couple of weeks ago, at the magazine said, well, kind of lack confidence last year. You guys put too much on me. Now, he doesn't even believe that confidence is a factor for players. Here's his words. Yeah, that was his words in response. How big is confidence for you? I think Bobby Aber asked him the question. Yeah, confidence, I don't I don't really believe that. It's more about preparation. It's bred from from preparation. And you know what? He's right. I agree with him there. If you're prepared 
that's confidence. If if I come into a show, and this has happened before, I think most people who host shows will tell you, man, sometimes you get so caught up during the day, especially this time of year. You're running nine ways to Sunday, and you come into a show, and you lack a little preparation. You get on the air, and you're not as confident about filling three hours as you would if you're prepared. If you're prepared, all of a sudden you're confident. you got a show set out. you got your guests lined up, your sound lined up. You're confident. Same thing with players. They prepare the right way. They're going to be confident. I told you he's going to be across from Cam Jordan, the All-Pro. It's got to help playing across from Cam Jordan. Davenport spoke about how Cam has helped him. Now, Bobby Hebert asking the question there, not just Cam, but also learning a lot from the veteran Alex Okafor is no longer part of this team. Look, he's big. You ask me who's my most important player for this squad. Look, you could say, Drew, I know in the NFL, if your quarterback's bad, you're not going to have any chance to win a Super Bowl. I get that. That's the easy answer. Anybody can say that, and they would be right. But I also think Marcus Davenport, the second-year defensive end, highly critical that he is what everybody has said that he is or is going to be the last two years. I've yet to find a person in this market locally, inside the Saints team, inside the media, former players, who say, oh, this is a star, superstar in the making. Better be that. Better be that this year. The Saints need him. Line up those phone calls, 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. Our text line is 87870. We'll get to your calls and your text on this coming back, plus some more sound from Sean Payton talking about you know, load management NFL style. Also, Saquon Hampton, his star burning bright out at Saints practice. He spoke to the media today. Seth Dunlap, Ron Logan again behind the glass. The last lap just getting started on WWL. I told you that Coach Show, LSU head coach, ranked 51st best coach in America by Athlon Sports. What do you think that is? That's our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. Here's a text on that at the 504. He is just a defensive line coach. He has no business being the head coach of LSU. Well... I think you're wrong now. I don't know what he's shown you in the last three years. He's rebuilding this program from the – and it's all relative. Les Miles did not leave this program in shambles compared to, I don't know, Kansas or Vandy, something like that, what Tennessee is right now. But relative shambles compared to what LSU was used to be prior decade. And that's a national championship contender pretty much every year. He's rebuilt that into, this year, what's considered a national title contender. Just for example, Athlon also ranked the top 130 football programs this year. LSU checked in at number seven. I'm not sure how you have that program at number seven, but their head coach who's lifted them that high at 51. Probably the best recruiter in America right now. And I say that because Nick Saban doesn't have to recruit he sits in his offense and kids come to him. Now, LSU does get some of that, not like Alabama does, though. We'll talk about that in hour number three, 10 o'clock hour with Athlon Sports. We'll have their guest, uh, Stephen Lasson on with us. Let's go to the phone lines. We're talking Saints camp, Marcus Davenport, and a bunch of other topics. Dean on the West Bank, first call tonight. What's going on? Hey, Seth. How you doing, man? Look, I can't agree with you more. I think the – you know, Davenport's progression and in, in his ability to, 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 to be a powerhouse on that other side, you know, and getting that push and getting those sacks and turnovers and those things is, is instrumental to those guys crossing that, that finish line at the end of the year. But okay. number two, no doubt, the missing piece of that offense last year, Jared Cook. If he, if he even mm. remotely plays like he did, this guy's going to light up the scoreboard. You can't cover both of them. 
But my question was, and then I'll get off the phone and I'll let you uh, sure. I'll listen. I wanted your opinion. Outside of those two things, the, it seems as though the crop of receivers that we've got is the deepest that we've ever been. And I'm hearing all of this, this, this fire about Emmanuel Butler and everything else. So outside of Michael Thomas and Jared Cook slash tight end slash what they, they're saying they're going to do with the same thing they did with Jimmy Graham, lining him up wide out and stuff, who would, who would you say fits into right now, as of right now, and I know it's early, but who would be your number two out of the wide receiver core that that's presently out there? Is it is it Gannon? Yeah, that's a good is question. It, no, that's that's a Dean. That's a great question. I might disagree with you a little bit on the depth of this wide receiving core, saying it's the deepest in Saints history. I think you go back to 2011, and you had Marcus Colston, and you had uh, Devery Henderson, and you had Lance Moore. I mean, just that top three right there was probably the best top three that that this franchise has ever had. Even Courtney Roby was getting some snaps there. I remember Joseph Morgan, Robert Meacham catching balls downfield. That was probably the deepest, but I think this one is deep. I mean, I've said that on the air. I think I'm higher on this receiving core than kind of your average bear. I don't think it's going to be bad. But the number two receiver right now is Ginn. Right now it's Ted Ginn. Until we see Traquan Smith or somebody like Keith Kirkwood or Emmanuel Butler, those guys step up in game situations because – practice is just that it's practice it's important i'm not alan iverson it's important but we got to see that but right now yeah it's ted ginn it's ted ginn if you don't consider jared cook i want to see jared cook in this offense i think anybody expecting him to uh, catch you know 100 passes thousand yards 10 touchdowns stuff like that is a little out of their mind considering he's 32 years old and he's never done that in his career remember last year he was targeted what was it 125 times right about there by uh, Derek Carr, so he was targeted a lot. It's not like he wasn't getting passes thrown his way. Had his best statistical year of his career. First time he's been over 800 yards. I want to see it. Very humble guy. I've liked what he said in camp. I know Drew Brees likes him. We'll see. We'll see. But to answer your question, I think it is It is Ted Ginn right now, the number two receiver. I like your response, though, about Jared Cook being important on the offense because I kind of agree there. Brandon and Hammond, you're on the air. Go ahead. Christian, how you doing, man? Hey, it's Seth, but yeah, what's up, Brandon? I'm sorry, Seth. I'm sorry. No problem. Driving, doing, doing most things. Uh, look, real quick, I heard you say you had the um, talking about the Broncos later on the air. Yep. Um, first and foremost, I'm Louisiana resident, born and raised, but Elway got me into the Broncos, man. So they're my number one, Saints number two. I get it. I wanted to see where you think Flacco may elevate the Broncos as far as a playoff appearance or wins and losses. And um, what do you think he can do to this team? Boy, it. Play action. I mean, throw into Emmanuel Sanders down the field the army has like what are your expectations yeah you know that's a, that's look that that's a great question Brandon because this franchise in Denver and I've talked about it on this show is not used to losing this is the first time I think in 40 45 years that they've had uh, six wins or less seasons back to back and all of a sudden John Elway said you're an Elway guy he's his seat's at least a little bit warm from everything I've been reading and hearing and Joe Flacco can be stabilizing. I just don't know if he's going to be a guy. I don't know if he's going to be a guy that can take you past the Chargers or the Chiefs in that division. And he hasn't really been great since that Super Bowl year. I mean, I'm just looking right now at his stats the last handful of years. 14 touchdowns, 12 picks in 2015. 20 touchdowns, 15 picks in 2016. 18-13, uh, 2017, and then limited action last year, 
12 and 6. Look, I think he's going to be better than what Case Keenum gave Denver last year. There's no doubt about that in my mind. This is a guy who's won a Super Bowl before. He has playoff experience. But uh, that, that AFC West is tough, man. I think they're squarely in third place, Denver. But we will talk to Troy Rent, who covers the Broncos at 932. So stick around for that. We'll get more of an inside uh, info and inside look at the Broncos. And I'll be sure to ask him that. I'll be sure to ask Troy about Joe Flacco, just how he kind of changes the dynamic of that team. Thanks for the call, Brandon. 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. We'll have Peyton sound and also Saquon Hampton sound a little bit later in this hour. And a reminder, today's training camp interviews and prime cuts are brought to you by the Sound Banking of First American Bank, a banking tradition since 1910. Also, our player of the day is going to be Saquon Hampton. Who's going places? Saquon Hampton brought to you by Toyota Dealers. Let's go places. Brett Martell after the news. There's something earlier today I thought was too good to be true, but it was true. Tom Brady's salary just got an extension today, two-year extension through the 2021 season. A season, $30 million in 2020, 32 in 2021. Makes $23 million today. Somebody tweeted out... (laughs) And I didn't think it was true. This average is out to $28.3 million per year. 28 to 3 shows up again. I wonder if they did this on purpose because the Patriots, I don't know. They've been known to do stuff like this. <laughs> it does. It really does. Somebody tweeted that out, and I'm going, this is way too good to be true. This can't be right. No, it averages out to $28.3 million per year. So there's a little fodder who that's. You like that one today. Let's bring on in Brett Martell, AP sports writer in New Orleans, covers not just the Saints, but everything here locally. Brett, what's going on today, man? How are you? Doing fine. Good to be on the show tonight. Yeah, uh, you said something, and I didn't hear it, but some people were tweeting about it yesterday. And I don't, we don't usually start with punter talk, but you, you retold a story about Bill Belichick and how he prepares for Thomas Morstead. And it was interesting because Thomas Morstead was just booming punch to the sideline. I mean, he was as good as I've seen him in these, one of these practices yesterday. Could you, could you kind of share that story with us again? Because I thought it was great. Yeah, if you look at the tweets that – so um, the person who retweeted it to start with was on the other side of the press box and didn't hear it exactly right, but um, it was close. The story was that we were on a conference call with Bill Belichick before the the last time that the Patriots um, played the Saints, and uh, someone asked about Thomas Morstead, and you know Belichick is renowned for giving very short, dry, unhelpful answers to most questions. Right. Um, about his team but but then someone said well how do you prepare for for uh thomas morstead and he said well you just uh crank up the judge jugs gun and shoot the ball about 60 yards down the field uh and have it land about a yard from the sideline just like he does every time (laughs) and and, uh so you know and i think it came out on twitter as being like you know 60 yards downfield and on the one yard line which wasn't what he said he said it, it goes downfield you know a certain a long distance and very close to the sideline is essentially what he's getting at which is the ideal type of punt but you know watching i was telling the story because we're we're sitting there watching the uh uh you know special teams run through their thing during the sunday night practice at Tulane, and it kind of reminds me of watching pga golfers at the zurich classic where they're on these approach shots from inside 200 yards and they're just aiming at the pin and getting it ridiculously close all the time. And that's essentially what he was doing with his punts, you know. And that's what, what's cool about that is that that's, you know, when they're out there in shorts, not a lot of what you're watching them do translates to a real game situation, but punts do, you know. 
Yeah. How the ball leaves its foot where it lands and stuff. And he just kept time after time putting it, dropping it inside the five yard line with the right kind of rotation so it would not bounce through the end zone. And he did it about four times in a row. And, and you could even hear the people. I mean, obviously, we have very knowledgeable football fans down here, and you could hear the people in the crowd kind of ooing and aahing. He kept pulling that off. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty incredible. I was watching the same thing, and then I saw your your tweet, or at least uh, uh, I guess the, the hearsay tweet that somebody said, and I was going, "Well, this is this is spot on. It's, it's exactly right." And then we see Brett. We see Will Lutz, I think he nailed a 60 and a 61 yarder yesterday, which just kind of made me think. There's so much talk about the offenses and defensive sides, and they're important. But if you look at the teams that consistently make the Super Bowl and are there, they usually have one of the five best special teams groups in the NFL, all totaled together. I think we have that here with the Saints, right, with Will Lutz and Morstead and, and maybe even Marcus Sherrill's now returning punts. Yeah, I mean, and then the key on the other side is how well you cover your own kicks. But, um, I mean, head coaches will talk about it all the time, how narrow the margin tends to be in a lot of these games and so oftentimes you can point to a special teams uh play or bust as possibly the difference in a lot of these games that are decided by fewer than seven points do you think that's why sean payton has had such a short hook with everybody kickers uh not really punters because morstead has been here a while but uh, returners uh, gunners i mean he has a very short fuse when it comes to special teams right i mean he definitely gets hung up on things that he thinks you know, wins and loses. And if he feels like he's seeing a pattern begin that could come back to bite him, you know, it, it bothers him. And, you know, the problem is that sometimes you can be impulsive in that area, especially because he is primarily an offensive coach. And, and in an ideal world, he would just leave the special team defense in the hands strictly of the uh, coordinators and not really even – bother with that you know and focus on designing his offense which has been one of the best offenses in the NFL for going on 15 years and just focus on that but when those things don't go well then he feels kind of an obligation like well the buck stops with me and he starts meddling and you know we've seen that with defensive coordinators in the past Um, we have not seen that lately and you know because they've been more successful and we've seen that on special teams yeah, it's a little – look, he's a Parcells disciple, comes from that tree. A little, little Parcellsian, right? He, he would do kind of the same things, Brett. Uh, yeah, I mean, right, exactly. I mean, he is – he sees himself – it's funny, he didn't really come in – he came come into the league under Parcells, but he ended up working for him in Dallas after he left New York. And clearly he was affected greatly by his time with Parcells because he always talks about Parcells as kind of a chief – influence um in his development as a coach um and it was the last job he held before his first head coaching job which is still his only head coaching job now after a decade and a half well they they keep trying to get him back at least the reports are jerry jones is we're chatting with brett martell (laughs) ap sports writer in new orleans and we're talking saints camp and mark stamport was at the podium today he's going to be important i think there's no other way to describe it to this team maybe critically important to this team what's your view on on his progression have you seen anything at camp this year from davenport yeah i've seen it both physically and also in his temperament and just his general uh, confidence he always struck me as a pretty introspective guy and a pretty genuine guy who sounded like, you know, he was really trying to feel his way through the, the league league last year. You know, he made it clear that he understood the pressure that comes from being 
uh, comes with being a, a number one draft pick and, and you know, having to uh, try to live up to that and knowing that there's so much he doesn't know that it just it's a big challenge, you know, and, and now he seems very comfortable. You know, he shows up at camp with a new diamond stud and on the side of his nose and in both of his ears and, and you know, a big smile on his face and just like a really a real sense of that he's kind of laid the foundation. He knows who he is. He knows what his upside is, and he's kind of determined to go get it. And the coaches seem to echo those sentiments. Uh, and, you know, you can see that they obviously, you know, they let – Okafor go in, in free agency, and I think the idea is that while he was rotating with, with Alex Okafor a lot last year, and of course he had to overcome a nagging toe injury, that you know if, uh, if there's good luck with his health, um, his development in year two should be to the point where they can rely on him as, as kind of, you know, to, to give the, the pass rush more of a, a two, kind of make, make the pass rush a two-headed monster instead of just that one where people could really focus on on Cam Jordan and not always pay for it. Yeah, it's interesting you described him as introspective and genuine because he really is like a genuinely nice guy, at least from everything we've seen, and very introspective. I think there was this comment earlier at camp where he said, yeah, the pressure from the media kind of got to me last year. I always wondered since I heard that, at least the last couple of weeks, Brett, sometimes that's it's not a good thing. Maybe most of the time that's not a good thing for NFL players, especially these high draft picks, if they're kind of paying attention to the pressure. kind of sounds like you're not really worried about that, though. Yeah, it, with um, with with Marcus, it doesn't seem like he's worried about that anymore. Is that what you're saying? That yeah. Sounds like he's not. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like he's much more comfortable. Yeah, with with the whole scene of just being in the NFL, and it he never. It, it I think the important distinction is he he's never had a antagonistic relationship with the media. He doesn't blame the media. He blames himself for kind of not getting how to process the way he's portrayed in the public versus what he's trying to do on the field, which is a complicated thing for a young guy in his first year in a high-profile entertainment kind of sports entertainment industry thing, right? Um, and so, you know, I think now he's, he's just a lot more comfortable with how to process that information and how, how much of it he really has to worry about and, and how much of it he doesn't. Any player that was under overlooked um, coming into camp that you've kind of seen stand out that might end up making this roster when not a lot of people thought they would? And who's standing out to you, Brett? Well, um, I mean, it would be no surprise uh, if I said number 17, the receiver um, out of Northern Arizona, yeah. uh, Butler, right, is his mm-hmm. last name. And, um, you know, now he is, is you know, he, he got hurt in practice. And so, I think everyone's eager to see how well he comes back from that and if he was able to stand out in some of these preseason games and build off what he started as. Um, you know, the um, the linebacker core looks pretty deep. Caden um, Ellis has a chance to contribute, and Finn Spiegel had this uh, two-minute... You know, it happened so fast, and I was standing on the sidelines. I didn't really get a good look at it. All I know is that Taysom Hill took a shotgun snap, Um and before he even, you know, had a chance to look up, Vince Beagle had shot through the offensive line and was giving him sort of a two-hand touch, and they ruled it a sack, and they ended the drill. So the two-minute drill had, fi- had failed because of his uh, hmm. linebacker blitz. So, um, you know, let's see. Uh, I mean, Patrick Robinson is back and, and looks healthy. Um, you know, uh, 
I guess Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Now he's, I mean, I wouldn't call him exactly low profile. I guess he was a fourth round pick, but it was you know it was notable because they had traded up to get him, and he looked really good in rookie camp, and that is translating still in main training camp to the point where it seems evident that they're going to try to figure out ways to have him contribute right away. You know, even if it's not as a starter, but he'll he'll be some guy who could work in at nickel, and and maybe in some three safety alignments. Some camp thoughts from Brett Martell, AP sports writer in New Orleans, and somebody you need to follow on Twitter, at Brett Martell. Brett, always appreciate the chats, man. We'll see you at camp, I guess, on Wednesday, day off tomorrow. Right, Wednesday morning. See you then. All right, see you then, take Brett. Care. There he goes, uh, yeah, Brett right. Martell. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, your phone calls. Got a couple of lines open right now. That phone number is 504-260-1870. Our text line, 870-870. The last lap continues on WWL. Welcome back. Little light my fire from the doors bringing us back because, well, it lit our fire last night when we were under the lights out at Tulane Stadium. I was sitting next to Bobby Bear and we were kind of chatting before and after the Facebook Live video that we did. And it was, it was, I don't like to use this word too much and it's kind of cliche, palpable, but it was kind of palpable the energy that you felt and the difference just being under the lights. And even the players last night, they seemed more energized to be in front of 12,000 fans out at Yolman Stadium. It was it was really cool. And I want to say about double the fans that we saw last year there. I mean, it, there was a lot of people. People decked out in their really game gear. All the hoodats. It was, it was fantastic. One of the guys that I ran into, I was doing a Facebook Live. I went up to the booth to do a, a quick photo of Zach Deuce and Christian. Then I kind of walked back down. I was going back out to the field. So I was underneath the, the stands. I guess this would be on the west side of the stadium. And sitting there, leaning up against the pole, I saw a guy in a potato costume. And I immediately recognized him as the guy who went to Flowery Branch in Saints garb and in that potato outfit and kind of went behind enemy lines at Falcons training camp. So I knew I had to get a little chat and have a little chat uh, with this fella. It's pretty funny. Uh, the audio's not great, but I wanted to play it here. We also did a Facebook Live with Big Potato. So, look, here he is. It's a couple of minutes long. It's me and Big Potato. Here you go. I wish the audio was a little bit better there, but still, that's it's good stuff. Yeah, follow him on Twitter. It's the underscore Big Potato. Good kid. Good guy. And uh, we got to get him to Saints game. He said he didn't have tickets. didn't have season tickets. I get it. They're hard to get, especially if you're a young guy like he is, but... Hope to see him again. You can find that video on our Facebook page, WWL Facebook page. Just like us there and go to the video section. I also tweeted it out on my Twitter, at Seth Dunlap. You can see the big potato in action himself. Let's get one phone call in here. Carl in Slidell. What you want to talk about tonight, Carl? Yeah, I was talking about uh, what you uh, when you opened up the show earlier about Coach O being 50. I think you said the 51st. 51st. Uh, rated coach. According to Athlon Sports, they released that today. That's right. Yeah, what is the criteria that they used to come up with that? Did they Did they say? Uh, they, they basically talked to people who cover the sport. They talked to other coaches, and they all kind of – I guess it was unscientific. This is just what Athlon said. By the way, we're going to have Stephen Lasson, who wrote the piece on in the 10 o'clock hour at 10.10. So – it's a little more subjective than objective, but that's where he, he landed, Carl. Wow, I'm I'm really, I'm really surprised. Uh, where'd you have him? Because I'm with you. I, it surprised me. I mean, 51st seems a little insulting to me. But where'd you have him? I'd have to say he's a top top 20 coach, no doubt. 
I'm with you. I'm with you. No doubt, especially where he has this program right now. Most people expect to contend for a playoff spot and for a national title, certainly right with Alabama in the West. Now, we've heard this before. It hasn't always happened, but the expectations are there. I agree with you, Carl. A little, a little silly, but just an opinion. And we all have them. And a lot of my opinions are silly, too. <laughs> Thanks for the phone call. 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. A little, little potato song taking us out for Big Potato. That was that was pretty fun. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, I'm not trying – I don't want to alarm anybody because we're still getting details on this, but we did – at least I confirmed with The Advocate, with Hillary Schenick, who's a reporter for The Advocate – and I'll just read her tweet here. Breaking, a Baton Rouge police officer has been shot on Nicholson Drive near Geranium, just north of LSU. The officer has been taken via EMS to the hospital. Sources tell me this may be a hostage situation, and uh, police are being dispatched. Avoid the area at the Advocate BR. We will let you know more. We're trying to find more details on this now, but again, according to Hillary uh, Shinick of the Advocate, a possible hostage situation, and a Baton Rouge police officer has been shot. Again, uh, we'll let you know more as soon as we know more. Uh, the last lap will continue. Certainly our thoughts are over there with Baton Rouge right now on WWL. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 